Welcome to the 15th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Today is a slight departure from most of the podcasts that I've been that I've been recording. I have an interview today with Mitch Joel, the author of the new book about internet marketing and social media marketing called Six Pixels of Separation. And this interview is mainly about the prospect or, or the idea of how to use the internet to effectively promote and market and sell books and what Mitch has been doing to promote his own book, Six Pixels of Separation. And in addition, this is going to be the inaugural episode of a brand new podcast that I've started called the Book Marketing Podcast. And if that sounds of interest to you, you can check it out at bookmarketingpodcastalloneword.com. And never fear, I'm going to be back very soon interviewing more writers and authors who you enjoy reading. And in fact, I will probably drop another episode into the feed in the next day or so. But for now, enjoy my interview with Mitch Joel, author of the new book, Six Pixels of Separation. And again, if you're interested in the marketing of books and how the internet is changing that, check out my new podcast, bookmarketingpodcast.com. Thanks. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Welcome to the Reading and Writing Podcast, but I also need to say welcome to the inaugural episode of the Book Marketing Podcast, a new podcast that I'm starting. You can check out the show notes for all the details. I'm happy to be joined today by Mitch Joel, president of Twist Image, an award-winning digital marketing and communications agency. Joel is the author of Six Pixels of Separation, a new book available at your local bookstore now or at your favorite online bookstore. For many years, Joel has written the Six Pixels of Separation blog and hosted the long-running Six Pixels of Separation podcast. You can check out all that Joel does online at twistimage.com, and that's where you'll find his blog, podcast, and a whole lot more. Mitch, welcome to the podcast. So great to be here. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Sure. Thanks a lot. So for those people who may not be familiar with you or your book, Six Pixels of Separation, can you quickly explain what the book is all about? Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I do for a living, as you said, is I own a digital marketing agency called Twist Image, and we've got about 90 employees and offices in Montreal and Toronto, and uh, we're doing really, really well. In fact, I'm really proud to say that in these crazy recessionary times, we had our best quarter ever just now, so it's supposed to show you it depends on where you sit. And when I sort of had the idea of, you know, my background was in journalism, and I always was passionate about writing, and you sort of, as a journalist, want to always write a book, don't you? It's just sort of one of those things. And um, I came to, to the point where I was like, it's, it's time to write this book. And there was one side of me that was like, let's look at where the world of, of business is at and how it's been impacted by the internet and social media and what it means to run, you know, run your marketing. And as I was getting into the sort of proposal of it, and that's the sort of business side of getting a book deal, I realized that it was it was the wrong it was the wrong angle. And the angle was really how was I able to grow a business from 2003 pretty much by starting a blog to having 90 employees and you know offices, multiple offices, and you know obviously you know in that sphere it's not hard to realize it's a multi-million dollar business. Uh, and I realized the roadmap really is, is what's an important story here. And there are other people who've done this quite well. 
And so that was the foundation of the book, was to really create this roadmap for how these new channels, a lot of them free, easy to use, beyond the time vested, but that's expensive and timely, can really grow the business. And then the other side of it was really around this idea that we no longer live in a world where I need to be introduced to you, Jeff. Like, Jeff was interested in connecting, and he just did a quick search on Google, Bing, or Yahoo, found me, and, you know, we're Facebook friends now, we're on Twitter, and we're connected, we're commenting on each other's blogs, and that changes everything we know about business. It really does. It changes everything we know about society. And so when we're all connected, how does a business work and how does it connect? And that's really what Six Pixels of Separation is about. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you started Twist Image in 2003, as you just as you just mentioned, and since then you've grown the agency, like you talked about, and I'm sure you've worked on a ton of digital campaigns. I'm curious if there's one particular digital marketing campaign or project that stands out in your mind from from you know from now until back to 2003, maybe where you've taken a little-known brand, used the digital tools that you discuss in your book, and helped put them on the map, so to speak. So let me go back. The company was actually founded in 2000 by two of my business partners, or four business partners, and I joined in 2002 and started blogging sort of, I guess, in 2002, 2003. So that's okay. sort of just, just, for, just for sort of putting it out there. Okay, um, sure, sure. Thanks yeah, for the clarification. Yeah. No, no, my pleasure. And, you know, I think it's a bit different in terms of my business, Twist Image, because we really don't cater and haven't really catered to small, medium-sized businesses in, in a long, long time. Our sort of goal is to always help big brands really embrace these channels. But to answer your question in a way that also doesn't sort of make it me, me look at me, is I think there are many instances, and that's really what I use in the book to highlight individuals who had that sort of moment of reckoning, where they were like, you know, listen, the old ways of trying to just advertise to my industry or, you know, running billboards in my local city work and can work, but there's got to be a more effective way to find out who's actually really raising their hands and interested in the industry we serve. And you know, one of the examples that I love in the book is Blendtec, which uh, they sell power blenders. And what they did is, you know, their, their, C, their CEO and president found is a very animated guy, and he created this YouTube series called Will It Blend? And, you know, it's not enough to just see if things like a safer will blend, but knowing the YouTube audience and the way things spread online, they're very clever about blending things like a Wii remote or an iPhone, uh, which is sort of like a crazy thing to do, especially if you consider the iPhone had just come out. And you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of views later, and people you know, increase sales, all that sort of stuff. And the game changes because a company makes a decision to open up, to be a bit more playful, to understand the channels and how to engage them and actually deliver something that adds value and, and augments the channel in and of itself. And you know, there are countless examples of it. And I, to be honest, I would rather promote other people who've done it brilliantly than just talk about you know, a campaign we did for a client that had some real ROI. And we've had lots of them, obviously. But I, I, I tend to like look at the ones that anybody can relate to. And I think the Blender one, Blendtec, is a great example because you know, if I were to turn to you before that, Jeff, and say, listen, I think if you sell blenders, you can really make an impact online, you would be like, come on. <laughs> and so that's what I love about stories like that. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about book marketing. Many book publishers, as you know, are still trying to figure out exactly how to market books online. I'm curious if you could discuss on a tactical level what steps you've taken to market your new book, Six Pixels of Separation. 
Sure. And, and it's a really interesting question. And by the way, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews, and that's the first time someone's asked me about this, so I'm actually really excited to talk about it. So thank you. <laughs> great, um, great. It, it, so let me give you a bit of the background of the book to sort of frame it so you can understand the complexity of the scenario that I find myself in with this book in terms of marketing. There's the one side where I think of publishers and in the modern world, big publishers, and I'm with, I'm with Grand Central Publishing. Grand Central is part of Hachette. So Hachette is broken down by Grand Central and Little Brown. People know Little Brown because it's Malcolm Gladwell and Stephanie Myers from Twilight. And Grand Central is actually bigger than that, uh, but they've got you know, authors like uh, you know, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and all that sort of stuff. And so you know you sit down in Manhattan with these huge offices, and you know these are people who've got James Patterson and, and, and Michael Connolly, and they know how to really bang out bestsellers. It's what they do, <laughs> and, and they're sort of looking at you across the table and saying, "So what about your network? Like, what's your platform?" And so what happens immediately is there's a bit of a splintering where you need to figure. Well, we needed to figure out specifically how do we market this book in blogs and podcasts and Twitter and Facebook to an audience that is already pretty savvy, considering that the book really isn't aimed towards them, it's aimed towards people who are a bit hesitant about those channels. And so immediately you can see what I was saying earlier about the splinter, sure. which is now how do I go about and do this? So the one side of the marketing was very much, and still it continues to be a very big traditional push, where we're looking at things like you know, USA Today and CNN and money and smart money and all these great media outlets who can really get people who are there and active to consider buying a book, which they're comfortable with because they read business books, to then transition them to the digital. On the digital side, the challenge, I think, for us was to really look at audiences that weren't familiar with Mitch Joel or Six Pixels of Separation. And so we wanted to go into places that were more small, medium-sized business owner-run. So we had two things that happened in that instance for us. One of them was we did some what I call traditional online marketing. So we chose you know, search terms that we thought were really good and bought a, did a bunch of keywords there. We did stuff like uh, little cool banner ads on Wall Street Journal iPhone applications and stuff like that. So we did a whole bunch of like sort of you know, what I call traditional online marketing, banners, email, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other side was... Um, social media. And, and the social media side was really interesting from my perspective, too. Um, if you follow my blog and play along at home, you'll know really quickly that I'm not one to be too self-promotional at all. In fact, I rarely am. I believe that the blog and the podcast are places for people like you and your listeners to learn from and to understand marketing so they become more effective. And that halo effect hopefully will create an environment where you say, hey, you know, we need an agency. Maybe we should think about Twist Image. And that's really the spirit of it. So, I had to sort of suck it up a little and, and get a little self-promotional. And as, as some of my friends who are online and active would say, you know, it's the one time in your life where you got to push for yourself. And so <laughs> you, know, you sort of do that. And, and what I essentially did was, and in a very, I think, different ways, I asked for help. I went onto my blog, I went onto Twitter, I went onto Facebook, where I have you know, a good community, very, very good community, very, very passionate people who are real friends. They're not just fake friends, they're actually real friends, and said, I need your help. It's my one time that I'm going to release, uh, my one time right now that I'm going to release a book, hopefully I'll have many, but this is the sort of big first one that's out sure. of the gates. How can you help me? Can you write a blog post about it? Can you post a review to Amazon? Can you forward this email to a friend and ask them to help? Can I write content for your site? Can I add value to your environments? And I just really listed off a whole bunch of ways that people could help me or I could help people in terms of building awareness. And I was very transparent about it. It's, yes, it's self-promotional. Yes, I'm shilling for my book, but I do. I, I need help. 
And the reason I went that route strategically was because I didn't want to be in a scenario where people were buying the book simply because, you know, hey, Mitch has been blogging a long time and podcasting, he responds to every email and tweet, and, you know, I should buy the book just to support him. No, I want you to buy the book because the book has, you know, almost 300 pages of content in it that I've never put anywhere else that is very, very different and has the value in and of itself based off of the price of the book, which I think is way less than it's worth, obviously, because I think it's worth more than the 25, 30 bucks to pay for the book. And so that was the sort of pillars, those three pillars of traditional mass media, traditional online, and social media of mm -hmm. what I did strategically to get the word out. Gotcha, gotcha. And how is it working? Oh, it's been a disaster, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been going really, really well. In fact, I have a blog post that I just set up uh, in early September to sort of track all the mentions and stuff like that. And I've got to say the response has been really, really good. The book came out very, very strong in both Amazon and the US and Canada. Um, it is definitely a bestseller already in Canada. We're working on um, you know, pushing it more in the States, although it's doing quite well there. Sure. Uh, you know, The other side of it is I do a lot of speaking. I do about 60 to, seven speak 60 to 70 speaking events a year. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of bulk sales that are involved in that as well. Right. You know, right. You're by thousands of copies and you sign them. So it's been going very, very well. I mean, the other side of it, though, and this is sort of a full disclosure moment, is a lot of people who write books are consultants and they come out and that's their thing is they got paid to write the book and they got paid to speak. It's not my scenario. My primary income comes from running a digital marketing agency. And all of these tools that we do, speaking, blogging, podcasting, books, is a way to create more awareness for the agency to grow the business and get more and more clients. And so at the end of the day, while as a, as a writer and a passionate guy, I would love to have the title New York Times bestselling author or Wall Street Journal bestselling author, that really wasn't the strategy ever with this book. The strategy with this book is really to embrace the long haul of it where you know, over years and years it would sell thousands and thousands of books because of events and client meetings and stuff like that. Now, if it should become a bestseller, hey, I'm all for that. I'll be the first one standing up and jumping for joy. But it really wasn't strategically where our headspace was at. Sure, I, I understand. So given the, what you said earlier in terms of the clients for Twist Image tend to be larger brands, um, I'm just curious, I mean, again, kind of talking about uh, book marketing, I have kind of a hypothetical marketing situation that I would like to kind of get your, your input on. Um, say if you were talking to a um, fiction writer, not a nonfiction writer with an existing platform or audience who came to you and say their first book is about to be published in five or six months from now, and maybe they've got a website that a friend built them or they've got a blog that they started several years ago and abandoned to write their novel. I'm curious what advice and tactics would you give them uh, to market themselves digitally and, and maybe even offline as well? It's a great question, and I think one of the things that happens, well, let me give you the thing to avoid right away. <laughs> the, the thing we want to avoid right away is something I talk about in the book called Avoid the Shiny Bright Object. What I think happens a lot, and I see this because you know, I'm dealing with big publishers and small publishers, and by the way, my background really is in publishing magazines and stuff, so I have a tremendous passion for this industry, too. I read a ton. I must read two to three books a week, but I love reading, is... People jump to the shiny object. It's like, okay, people on Twitter, get on Twitter. People on Facebook, hop on Facebook. I believe that is the wrong strategy. I think the right strategy is creating a strategy. Because just hopping on Twitter and just going on Facebook is what I call a tactic. It's just a tactical thing. So the first thing I would say to the author is, is why? 
why should you be on Twitter? Why should you be on Facebook? Why should you be recording videos for YouTube? When you understand as a marketer why you're doing things, it immediately will tie into the overall strategy of what you're trying to do with the book, and even to the literally tied into that, how many books you want to sell. Because from the why, you can figure out the what. Like, what's the tactic then if that's the why? And not that the tactics are easy, but they're easy to choose once you know the why. So my whole thing would be sit down, just as you did in writing your proposal or speaking to an agent or, or, or publisher, and ask yourself some really tough strategic questions about why. Why would people buy this book? Why would they love it? Why would they share it? And when you can sort of get your answers, you can start pulling out the tactics a lot easier. Sure. And, then, and that's really the core thing because the other thing that happens, and I, listen, you and I probably see this more often than we care to admit, is author comes out with a book, you go, and they're sure enough, they're on Twitter, and you look and you see, oh, they haven't updated in a couple of weeks, or they tried, or they're struggling with it. And it just what I, what I smell as a marketer when I see that is they just weren't comfortable. It wasn't fitting with who they were. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I, I've seen that as well. Or, or the example, which, you know, I, I've seen a couple of times is uh, an author has a book, you know, scheduled to come out in two or three months and someone has told them to get on Twitter and they get on and then every post is self-promotional. My book is coming out on X date and, and there's no conversation. And, and, you know, as we all know, that's that's part of the appeal of Twitter. Not that I'm sitting here saying that. You know, as some people, you know, that there has to be rules. It can't be no self-promotion because I don't think that's realistic. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, sort of ties into that. I'll just sort of booster pack what you're saying. Is It's also like there's, there's this thing online that is not just text. The online world is images, audio, video, and text. And again, I talk about that a ton in the book. And I actually think the book is a good roadmap for authors to be successful by actually reading the book. But that's important, too. Like, one of the things I know about me I'm not great at video. I'm just mm-hmm. not good at shooting it. I don't know how to edit it. I don't have the time or the patience. But love to write. Always was a writer. Uh, did some college radio. So love podcasting. Love creating audio. So also it's about tying in the type of media to the platform that you're actually really comfortable with. Some great authors aren't good at being self-promotional and they're not good at writing short copies. So Twitter is going to be immediately not great for them. And again, exactly. if you tie it into the strategy, the strategy should include the types of platforms you're comfortable creating in. It, it, it makes the choices a lot easier. And so like, I'll give you like a very obscure example, but I think you'll catch it, and, and, and the listeners will catch it too. Let's say you've got a book coming out, whatever, fiction book, and you're, you just have a real passion for photography. There's nothing stopping you in the world from telling the story or telling the story in a different way with images and letting people know in a blog or on Flickr that this is a visualization of your feelings about the book. Because this way, people will be passionate about checking out the book because they love the images, or or one will send them to the other and vice versa. I think the critical mistake a lot of people make is they just give the book away for free. It's like, here's a PDF of it, share share chapters, and I understand why people do it, because they have nothing else. They have no real content behind it. But if you spend enough time up front building an audience through Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, YouTube, whatever it is, you're actually creating compelling content. And that content will get people to buy the book. And so sure. for me, it was like the book that became the holy grail. It was like, listen, everything is free. The blog, the podcast, the Twitter, the Facebook, the links, everything is free. I'm, I'm an open book. If you want that, there's this thing on the right here, up in the left, just out of reach, called the book. If you want that, that's you know 20 bucks, whatever it is from Amazon or 800C over here, whoever. But right. it's separate, right? It's a separate piece that gets people excited. 
And I take this from my magazine publishing days in newspapers. It's like you know, the newspapers lost the war when they started copying and pasting and putting their stuff online. They could have created great audio and video stuff to supplement the print stories that would have given people the scent to go and check out those newspaper articles. Exactly. And, and I want people to really think fluidly about their marketing experience. I want them to think fluidly about how can I make video augment this book instead of it being, you know, me, you know, sort of talking head going, my book is about marketing. Any business interested in marketing, and it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, but exactly. You see, we actually created some videos. You know, check, check out the videos we did. Really flash-based, very, very visual, cool stats that really get people wanting to read less than just sort of having me read them the book in a YouTube video. Sure. And, and along those same lines, I mean, you know, one possibility could be, as you mentioned, you know, uh, it's not a good idea to, to give away the book for free. Um, but a lot of writers um, end up, you know, end up with material basically on the cutting room floor, so to speak, and, and kind of like the DVD extras, they could add either short stories or missing chapters from the book to kind of supplement and get people interested. Yeah, that, I mean, what I think, you know, I think there's two sides to this, is that, and there's a fundamental sort of theme, and it really is a theme of my book, too, which is the idea of, you know, being a valuable community member and appear with these people, not above them or beneath them, and giving them stuff because you have this information is an amazing way to actually market your book and tell your story. And that's something that I've learned as a journalist. One of the sacred cows in journalism back in the late 80s and early 90s was never right for free. Right. You can't give it away. And then when I sort of got beyond that and started blogging and just living in the world I live in, I find it interesting that as a business owner and someone who speaks and writes and does this to grow my business, that I've never been more active as a journalist. Like suddenly I've got a week, a bi-weekly column in both the Montreal Gazette and Vancouver, so it's a big column in the business section. I'm a tech columnist for Onward Magazine. If anyone's ever flown on Air Canada, it's the in-flight magazine, which has been voted the number one in-flight magazine in the world. And it's like, I could never have had these gigs back when I was just a freelance <laughs> journalist. And it's amazing how the platform of the blog and, and connecting and giving value to the community has serendipitously, if, that, if that's a word, given me back all these amazing other business opportunities that have really grown. Great. Great. So, so I have one other uh, quick question. Um, book publishing tends to, to be kind of an odd business from a marketing perspective. There are a few publishers who really know who their target market is. One that comes to mind is Harlequin, the Canadian romance publisher. But a large majority of publishers, it's somewhat of a crapshoot. They, they don't do a ton of market research. They buy the manuscripts, hope to design a compelling cover, and, and hope it finds an audience. I'm just curious, again, you know, from your experience and with the, the online tools that are out there, what publishers you know, may could do better in terms of uh, figuring out market research or how to market their books? I don't think it's publisher-specific, to be honest. I think it's author content-specific. Uh, you know, I've seen instances where, again, it's my background. I was also in the music industry for 15 years. You have bands get these huge global deals with an amazing producer and great manager. It just doesn't go anywhere. And you bands with just some great songs and you know an indie label and, and you know boom they're off to the races. So one of the things I definitely learned and people would ask me all the time like how does a band break through and become successful? And the answer is quite simple. There is no rules. It's only exceptions. And I think that that's the case very much for authors too. I think you can align yourself with a publisher who's very new media focused. You can you can align yourself with a huge publisher who's very traditional. 
it's going to be incumbent on the author and the team and the, the, the literary agent and the marketing people to really be strategic about it. And I think the challenge really is that authors fundamentally are artists, and we can't expect them all to be marketers, but at the same time, in this day and age, just like musicians have to be, I really think authors have to amp it up. And so what I would say is, don't worry. So, you know, I mean, we all know the story. The publisher's not going to help you much after the first week, et cetera, et cetera. Right. At, the end of the, at the end of the day, empower yourself. Go out and check out my book. If you, if you can't afford the book, which is totally fine, read the blog. There's some great stuff there. Read the articles. Follow the blog rules to other great markers. There's so many resources online that are pretty much free. It really is your time to invest to understand the channels. Uh, listen. Listen to what people are talking about in places like Twitter and Google Alerts that you use to, to become more informed. There are so many ways to understand that it really isn't like there's this black box that the publishers have. You know, because before it really was the publishers were the gatekeepers to retail. It's not like that anymore. You know, you really can get your book listed on all the big online places and stuff like that. And you, you can, you know, through you know, many instances where publishers take on books because they've just been so successful on their own. Right. And so, so really focus on that and think about all the tools that are available. I think the big thing is, you know, when you're looking for VC money in business, they, talk, they call it the runway. And as you start burning that money, the runway gets a lot shorter, right? Mm-hmm. you got to get the plane up before the runway ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and um, I, I find it fascinating that a lot of authors don't even set up their runway. They just gotcha. expect everything to happen. They think it'll just, you know, let me just get done the book writing. One of the things that I was doing before I even got the book deal and I was just in proposal mode was already laying the groundwork. And I've been doing it since 2002 with the blog. Everything was laying the groundwork. Um, it will not happen overnight. In the book, I have a whole section that I call the praise of slow. Um, you know, building real relationships and building audience online is not going to happen because you have a book out. It's only going to happen if you're spending months and months before the book comes out building people and finding out where those interested communities are. That's great. That's great advice. So empower yourself and have a lot of patience and, and find your audience. Absolutely. Great. Well, well, thanks a lot. And again, we've been speaking with Mitch Joel, author of Six Pixels of Separation, which is available in bookstores now. And you can check out Mitch's blog and podcast and learn more information about the book at twistimage.com. Thanks for listening to my latest interview. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to leave me some feedback about the podcast, you can leave a voicemail on my Google voicemail line, and I can feature your comment in a future podcast. You can simply call 413-84-BOOKS. That's 413-84-BOOKS. Or it's 413-842-6657. Again, that's 413-842-6657. Also, if you enjoyed listening to the podcast, I would love to get a review in iTunes so that more people could find the podcast in the iTunes store. It's very simple. Go to the podcast in the iTunes store and just leave a review or a comment. Thanks a lot, and we'll be back soon with another interview with a writer that you enjoy reading. This is Kevin J. Anderson, and whenever I'm not reading or writing, I enjoy listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.